Yeah, but I'm excited uh, for this morning, excited for everything that we've had a chance to participate uh, in this morning, and uh, really looking forward uh, to the rest of today. And listen, if you're new here, uh, we're so excited that you chose to come and be with us uh, this morning, and I really appreciate you taking the time to, to connect with us. We know you could have been anywhere else uh, in the world, but I'm excited uh, to have this conversation that we're going to have uh, this morning. And I'm going to come from a passage of, or a particular verse uh, that you may be familiar of, that you may oftentimes uh, hear around this time of the year. And uh, that scripture is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. So you can uh, flip with me there or scroll, however you connect with the Bible. But it's Isaiah 9, uh, chapter 6. And again, you may be familiar with this, may have heard this. Oftentimes it's shared around this time of the year. Uh, but it says this, verse 6. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we're grateful. God, we're thankful for these moments that we share together. And Lord, as we take time to gather around your word, God, we say this, Lord, speak to us. God, open our eyes, allow us to see what it is that you're showing us. God, open our ears, let us be inclined to hear what it is that you're speaking to us. God, I believe there's a word right now in the house for us today. And so, Lord, we say this, speak, Lord, because you're servants, we're your servants, and we're listening. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Come on, come on. Everybody set? Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. So I want to play, this is a little bit of a different way for us to open up this morning. I want to play this game called uh, Finish the Lyrics. Are y'all familiar with it? So basically, in a second, a track, a song is going to play, and it's going to get to a point, it's going to stop, and then you got to finish the lyrics. Now the key part here is that you have to finish the lyrics, the, the, the way to play the game is in the name of the game. So please, don't leave your neighbor hanging next to you and they all over here singing out and you put them on blast like that. So we got DJ in the house. DJ's going to uh, get us going here in a second and finish the lyric. DJ, you got that for us? Okay. Okay. Nice, nice. Y'all got it. Y'all got it. Y'all got it. DJ, I don't even think we need to check on that one. They got it. They got it. <clears throat> Some of y'all were looking at me like y'all waiting on me to sing. <laughs> Michael, not Micah. Like. <laughs> All right, DJ, hit us with the next one. Christmas, the body's side is blazing bright. 
There you go. Oh, yeah, we got somebody got a little groove in there. Come on, hit that run. Finish, finish it. Finish the run. <laughs> I was trying to see who was going to hit the Chris Brown run. Everybody's like, we're going we gonna to phase out right there. We're going to phase out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's 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 do another one, DJ. one last one one more people I, I guess here for the first time is like what is this what what look sorry okay but our last one here we go Come on, come on. There you go. <laughs> oh, come on, come on. Give yourselves a hand. <laughs> Y'all killed it. Y'all absolutely crushed. Finish this. Finish the lyrics. You know, <laughs> that last one, Mariah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting song. I love, I love, like, what Ma- Mariah's trying to convey. Mariah's going to preach today. Did y'all know that? <laughs> <clears throat> but I love what Mariah's trying to convey. You know, she's like, you know, she's trying to be, you know, unselfish and, and think of others and think of people's bank accounts and just the stress and having to go to all this. Like, look, I don't even want a lot for Christmas. Like, I, I don't even care about the presents underneath the tree. It sounds noble. She says, I don't want a lot for Christmas. But then she goes on to say, I want a person. <laughs> Mariah, that's a lot to ask for. Like, we could have like, got you the Apple Watch and just called it a day, but you want a whole person? I don't know. That just seems a lot to ask for. I don't want a lot. I just want you. That's, that's a lot. But think about... <laughs> All I want for Christmas. Maybe that's a question that, that you've been pondering because people have been asking you, like, what do you want for Christmas? What, what can I get you? And maybe even in that thought, we can kind of expand it more. And that question could be, well, what do we want in, in life? 
What do we want from life? Not, not just what do I want for Christmas, what do I want for my life? And, and, and I think a lot of us, we, we could easily answer, you know, we want the promotion, we want the career, we, we want the relationship, uh, we, we want the, the, the vacation, all the things. And while all those things are good, vacations are good, relationships are good, all these things, the promotion, the job, it's all good. But could there be more to gain? Could there be something that's actually greater than just these things that I just mentioned? And so for the next few moments, family, I want to have a conversation titled this, What You Really Want for Christmas, What You Really Want for Christmas. Can y'all say that with me? What you really want for Christmas. And we're going to use Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verse 6, uh, to guide us through this conversation. But to give a little context uh, to this, to chapter 9, really you can go back to chapter 7 and 8 uh, to get a full context of what's going on. But to even kind of go back a little bit further. So the nation of Israel uh, has, there's, there's the vision. And so there, there, were, there were a group of people that didn't appreciate a tax that was being, uh, that was laid on the people, the tax burden that was placed on the people. So a group of people's like, yo, we're not with this. So, so we're dipping out of this. Then another group was like, no, we're okay. So out of that, it caused a split. And that split gave us the northern kingdom, oftentimes referred to as Israel, and then the southern kingdom referred to as Judah. Well, the northern kingdom, they hated Judah, and they wanted to destroy Judah. And so they gained all these, formed all these alliances uh, to, to obliterate them, to, to, to wipe them off the face of the map. Well, what happened in that process, they actually became captives. The Assyrians were just running rampage and actually took them captive. And so you have the, the prophet Isaiah, which he prophesies or, or foretells of what's to come. He's given us this prophecy, this prophetic warning uh, to Judah, the southern kingdom. Like, yo, don't be like your people in the north. Don't be like the northern kingdom. So turn away from your idolatry. Turn away from all these bad habits that you've picked up, things that you've fallen into. Repent of your sins so that you do not end up like the northern kingdom. And so through this conversation, he ultimately gets to our main verse here uh, this morning, Isaiah 9, chapter 6. If we could put that on the screen, it says this, for to us a child is born. So right there, it's talking about Jesus. He's foretelling the coming of Jesus. So for to us a child is born, it's talking about the humanity of Jesus. But to, to us a son is given, that's the divinity of of Jesus, where he's the, the son of God. For the government, will, the government will be on his shoulders. So listen, he's not just a king, but he is the king. He's the king of kings. He's the, he's the Lord of lords, and, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And I want to make the case this morning, family, that in, that in answering this question, what you really want for Christmas is found right there. You want a wonderful counselor. You want a mighty God. You want an everlasting father. You want 
the Prince of Peace. And so we're going to track through that uh, this morning. So wonderful counselor. You know, for, for many of us, when we hear the word wonderful, we think of maybe likable, agreeable, you know, something. Oh, oh that was pleasant. What, what a wonderful experience. But in this passage, the, the word wonderful means so much more than that. It means incomprehensible. In other words, there's, you, we can't comprehend the wonder of God. That, that there's an awe to who Jesus is. That just a picture of him, just a, glint, a glimpse of him, just thoughts of him should leave us in awe because he cannot be understood. He cannot be comprehended. He is incomprehensible. He's beyond our ability to comprehend. And I like how even Isaiah later talks about how the Lord, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. And so if, if we believe that to be true, if we know that to be true, if Jesus is beyond our ability to understand, then how come, family, so many of us think that we have a better plan for our lives than he does? And maybe you're like, yo, yo, I don't agree with that. I don't think that. And while we may not think that, it's revealed in our actions. It's revealed in the day-to-day moments and, and how we live our lives, how we choose to trust him or not trust him, how we choose to direct our lives rather than letting him be the guide of our lives. It's like even in prayer, where oftentimes when we go to prayer, we don't go to prayer for revelation. We're going to prayer just consultation, just consulting you like, hey, I'm I'm just going to consult you a little bit. Jesus, here's my plan. You know, I'm not seeking revelation. I'm just like filling you in on what I'm doing. So while we may say like, no, his ways are better. His thoughts are better, but our actions don't necessarily reveal that. You know, oftentimes we have this idea, Jesus take the will, but he's like, no, you keep the will and you follow my guidance. But we take the will and then we just turn the music up a little louder and ignore what he's saying to us. So it's not just wonderful, but he's wonderful counselor. And that can be translated to strategist. So he's an incomprehensible strategist that we can't figure him out. I don't know about you. Have you ever just kind of tracked through your life and you got to a certain point where you step back and you're like, how in the world did this become that? Because how these pieces lined up and how everything worked out, it doesn't make sense. That happens when we yield to the incomprehensible strategist. Now, he's like a wartime general. He's over here with this strategy and figuring out moving all the pieces and all the places uh, 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 pieces into the right place that they need to be. So it's on us, family, to submit and surrender our lives to this brilliant strategist, to this wonderful strategist who, who plans that we can't even comprehend. And that's a struggle for some of us, maybe depending on your personality type, that you want to have the next five years figured out. And you literally want to have every piece aligned. And that's perfect. And that's cool. Proverbs talk about that. You should plan. 
But you have to allow the Lord to be the one who is guiding you, the one who's directing you, the one who's leading you where to go. To say, hey, don't make that deal. Hey, I know it seems nice, but that's not a relationship that I have for you. Hey, I, I know that looks good, but that's not the way that I need you to go. Because oftentimes we will confuse an open door with the Lord. And we'll think a closed door is, is, is saying, go another way. But could it be sometimes an open door is nothing more than a trap? Because it looks good, because it's easy, because it sounds good, that that must be the way to go. While actually this closed door over here could be the way that the Lord is leading you because it's going to require trust. It's going to require patience. It's going to require faith. And the moment you begin to trust him, he's literally going to begin to open what looked like a closed door. And you'll see that it's actually an open door. But the only way you get that revelation is when we submit our lives to the wonderful counselor. We want the wonderful counselor. We can navigate the seasons of life well when we submit to the guidance of the wonderful counselor. So he's a wonderful counselor, but he's also mighty God. Any DC fans in here? Any Marvel fans? Let me see DC fans, your DC fan. Don't, it's okay, guys. I don't know. It's all right. Any Marvel fans? See all the Marvel? I'm a Marvel. Look at, you know, it's a little easier to raise your hand. I'm a Marvel fan. Now, I want to see DC do well. I want them to do well. I want them to come up. We got, we got, we got to get more, you know, we just got to do better. DC has to do better. And I, and I know Marvel has had some misses lately, but, you know, they, they, they have a, a track record. Everybody loves a, you know, superhero movie and story and all that. This word, I bring that up because it makes me think of, of what mighty hero, excuse me, what mighty God translates to in Hebrew. It, it translates to supernatural hero. So Jesus is our supernatural hero, meaning he overcomes things that doesn't make sense to us. Naturally, that's what makes it supernatural. It reminds me of Second Chronicles 2015 that says this, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. So what was happening Israel was under this sneak attack. And so the soldiers of the enemy were surrounding them, and they had no idea. And by the time they realized it, it was too late to gather the troops. And then the word of the Lord comes here and says, listen, don't be discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Listen, family, you may feel surrounded right now. You may feel like what is in front of you is insurmountable. But listen, that battle, that thing that you're facing is not yours, but it's God's. So if that's the case, family, then we must answer this question. Why are we fighting battles that we no longer have to when we have a supernatural hero? Come on, are you with me this morning? Why are we fighting battles that we no longer have to? Scripture reminds us. The battle is not yours, it's God's. What they said about you, that battle's not yours. 
what they did to you, that battle's not yours. The rumors that you hear, that battle's not yours. The, uh, the, the, the fear of the economy, that battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. So stop fighting battles that you're not designed to fight. And so some of us, we, we wonder why we deal with anxiety, why we deal with, with the spirit of fear and, and, and why depression seems so heavy and weighing us down. It's because there are battles that we're fighting that we're not supposed to fight. The Lord is saying, this is my battle. And some of us, we continue to fight because we think that it's a sign of strength. Man, look how strong they are. Man, with all that's going on, with everything that's happening, look how strong they are. Look how they, look how they keep fighting. But family, Strength isn't found in your ability to fight a battle that isn't yours. It's found in your ability to surrender the battle to the one who has already won. Strength isn't found in what you could pick up. Strength is found in what you can put down. Like, Lord, this pain is tough. This hurt is difficult. What I'm walking through, I never thought I would be here at this time. I never thought I would be facing this. I never thought I would be going through this. And you've been trying to fight it. You've been trying to put up an image, a facade for all these people around you. Meanwhile, you're hurting on the inside, going through some of the darkest moments in your life. And I'm here this morning to tell you, stop fighting that battle that isn't yours. It's the Lord's. You weren't designed to fight it. That's why he says, come to me. I will give you rest. We have to put these things down that we weren't designed to carry. Because we have a supernatural hero. Look at 2 Corinthians 12, 10. It says, this is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions. This is Paul talking. In difficulties. Why? He says, for when I am weak, then I'm strong. So oftentimes we think strength is about, especially, especially men in the room, especially we think strength is found in just, I got it. I got grit. I got grind. That's not strength. Paul says, I, I find strength actually in weakness. Because when I allow myself to be weak before the Lord, that's the moment I realize the strength of him that is in me. We got to allow ourselves to be weak because when I'm weak, Christ is strong in us. Greater is he that is in me than anything in this world. He's our mighty God. He's also, here's also what we need. We need the everlasting father. Now, I know this can be confusing, but because it's like, wait, wait a minute, is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? So God the Father, God the Son, Jesus is the Son. Why is he being called the everlasting Father? Well, with Scripture, you always have to have like context, right? You, you, we can't just, you know, just look at it and, and take it. You know, it's like, for instance... You know, if, I don't know, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years from now, uh, people start digging up the earth, and then they discover um, the, 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 the Atlanta uh, Falcons uh, versus the, the, the Dallas 
Cal- no, no, here's one. Because they're going to beat him. We d- <laughs> I lost the room. We discover the, the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, defeating the, the Dallas um, Cowboys and just buried, you know, way be in, in, in the earth. Then these people would come and assume, like, man, so humans were wild. Like, they had eagles fighting the Cowboys. Like, and so that creates a story. So you got to have context. Like, no, it's a sport it's called football, like all that stuff. So, like, with Scripture, you got to have context. And so with this everlasting father... In ancient uh, times, so, so that means asking questions like who, what, when, all that stuff, who wrote it, uh, who, who's the author, who was he writing to, and, and what was the situation around the time. So understanding that, uh, you, we would come to this reality that in ancient times, uh, rulers were known as fathers of the, of the nation. So it, almost even in a sense like, you know, we, we have our founding fathers of, of America, but they would be known as fathers of the nation. And so Jesus, we know this. He's, he's, he's not a king, but he's the king. He's a king of kings, lord of lords, right? He's a, he's a ruler in essence. And so when this was written, it was referred to him in, in that sense as a father of a nation. So he's everlasting father. And when I think of, of a father and what a father does, a father helps you live with principles. A father helps you uh, live with values. So you had a decision point. You can go back to what's a principle? Um, what, what's the way of life? Um, what's, what's a value? Uh, that we have, that we carry. And it helps you in that decision point or just helps you in everything else. Like, should I connect to this? Should I not connect to this? In essence, those values give us identity. And that's what Jesus is doing as our everlasting father. He's giving us identity. And so here we are. We find ourselves searching for identity while God, through Jesus, was bringing us identity. Look at Galatians 3. 26 through 29, it says, So in Christ Jesus, you all are children of God through faith. So did you catch that? So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized in Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So, there, so, 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 so in baptism, right, so... You, you get baptized, who you used to be, that's, that's, that's dying. And then you raise to new life in Christ. So you have identity there. So there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ, Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What does that mean, family? We have identity, that we are children of God, that we are sons and daughters of God. And I feel like there's some of us here in the room that need to hear that and, and be reminded of that. Because you're trying to figure your life out, and you thought your path was going to look one way, but it's looked a different way. And you've become discouraged by that. But the Lord is saying, listen, your identity was never in that path. It was never in your plans. Your identity was always in me. You're a son and daughter of God. So listen, family, your life has purpose. Not for one minute did I want anyone in here to think, no matter how old or how young you are, your life has purpose. Don't give up on where you are. Don't stop in the journey. Don't throw in the towel. 
I know it may seem like all hell may be breaking out against you. I know it may be difficult for you to get up in the morning. But listen, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. That there's plans for you. That God wants to use you. That there's a reason for you here. There's a reason for your existence. That God has called you his son. He has called you his daughter. So don't give up on life. And I mean that spiritually, but I also mean that physically. That no matter how deep and how dark you may feel, if you never hear it in another space or place, hear it from here that your life has purpose. And you say, how can my life have purpose when there's so much pain? I don't know the reason or the source for your pain, but I do know this, that we serve a God who would take pain and turn it into purpose. That it would become your story of what God pulled you from, and your story would be the the delivering factor for somebody else that will look at your life and see that God pulled you out of that, and they could do it. He could do it for me. I don't know the source of your pain. I don't know why it has played out the way that it has played out, but I do know we serve a God who turns pain into purpose. And if you're here this morning, you're under the sound of my, my voice, you have a pulse. You have a pulse, you have a purpose. It means that God's not done with you yet. He's bringing identity to you, that you're a son, that you're a daughter. And listen, that's why we say this about our church, the vision to... Um, belong to community, believe in Jesus, and become who God desires us to become. And that order is on purpose. Belong to community, believe in Jesus, and then become. Because until you discover who he is through belief in him, you can never become who he's called you to be. Eternity has been set in our hearts. He's everlasting father or eternal father. And what we long for and search for is really something to fill that eternity that we're longing for. And that's only in the person of Jesus. So then when we discover him, we discover how we're supposed to live now and how we're going to live later. So it's a reason why it's belong to community, believe in Jesus, because once you discover who he is, you can discover who you've been called to become. So that's the case. How come many of us have placed our identity in everything else except Jesus? We've done it by placing our identity in relationships, in in whatever way, whether it's romantic or networking, connections and whatever. And and then the minute that that ends or that looks different, we we, kind of lose a bit of ourselves. And we're kind of thrown off the rocker a little bit. It's because our identity wasn't in Jesus, but our identity was actually placed in that relationship. Or maybe even a career. And over the last two, three years, a lot of careers have shifted and things look different. And and maybe it was a transition in the job or the loss of a job. And and maybe you said this or you heard someone saying this like, yo, I don't even know who I am anymore. Why? Because identity was placed in a career. But Jesus is saying, no, identity is not found in who you know. It's not found in, 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 in who you may be dating or who you're married to. It's not defined by what job you have or what businesses you have or, or none of those things. Identity is found in me. So as we close uh, this morning, Michael, you can join me.
He's our wonderful counselor. He's our mighty God, our everlasting father. But he's also our prince of peace. Here's a question. What would you give for peace right now? Yeah. And, 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 and to that point, maybe you're actually really ready to answer that question uh, because your life uh, has been robbed of peace. The last two, three years, of just if you stop and you think about it, is very traumatic. I don't think we were designed to experience that much trauma in that short of time, that short of time span. And so a lot of people are literally just like one little thing away from, from this because of this tension and trauma that's just been, been building up. We can't sit in our own thoughts. We can't have it quiet. We always have to do something. So in essence, we've been robbed of, of, of peace. You know, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And what it means is wholeness or completeness. And so if the definition of peace is, is wholeness, that means the opposite of wholeness is, or completeness is to be broken or incomplete. And maybe you feel like that this morning. Maybe you feel broken. Maybe you feel incomplete. I, I, I do want to remind us that Jesus wants to complete us this morning. That it's not found in what we do. It's not found in who we know. It's not, it's not found in any of those things. It's found in him. He wants to complete us. He wants to make us whole. Nothing broken. Nothing missing, nothing hurting. But he's the prince of peace. And prince is, is one who administers. So in essence, Jesus wants to administer peace to us this morning. And let me say this about peace. The idea of peace doesn't mean that they, there are circumstances or conditions that uh, are not favorable, that we'll never face those. Because peace isn't determined by the circumstance. Peace is something to hold despite the circumstance. Have you, ever, have you ever been around those people where it seems like all chaos is breaking out in their life? And yet, it's like, my goodness, how are you so level-headed? How are you so calm right now? If my life looked like that, if, if that was my reality, if that was what I was walking through, I'd be losing it right now. So peace doesn't mean that everything is well. Or even sometimes when God calls us to something and we say, well, I won't move on it until I have a peace about it. Family, let me tell you, you may never move on it then. Because there are things that God will often call us to that there's no clarity because he doesn't call us to a life of clarity. He calls us to a life of faith. And so we can't be looking for peace before we say yes to what the Lord is calling us to. Because peace is much, here's why. Because peace is much more than something you feel. Peace is a person. Jesus is the prince of peace. So peace is not something that that 
that we need to try to figure out or grasp or hold. Peace is a person to know. It's found in Jesus. Sometimes people may say, man, this idea of just wanting peace is trying to escape reality. It's, it's, it's kind of an escaping way to live. But peace doesn't deny reality. Peace is knowing the person who overcomes reality. I know this is dark. I know this is tough. I know this is difficult. I know they're talking recession, inflation, this and that, and all these things. I, I hear the whispers. I hear the rumors. But I'm not going to lose my mind because I have peace. I'm going through a dark, difficult time. There are a lot of questions. I, I didn't think I would experience this loss. I didn't know I would lose that person. I didn't know I would lose my job. I didn't know that there would be so much uncertainty. I thought I was actually done with that thing, but now it's coming back. But I'm okay because I, I have peace. I, I, I have Jesus. So peace is not escaping reality. It doesn't deny what's happening. Peace is saying, I know the person who overcomes this. That's why Paul says, listen, pray for the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Because remember, he's our wonderful counselor. And he's incomprehensible. So he can give us a peace that we ourselves can't understand. And maybe this year, this Christmas season, family, you found yourself going from store to store, place to place, trying to find all the things. You got to go to this store to get that. You got to go to that store to get that. But this morning, and all of that, we've been talking about what we really want for Christmas. We want wonderful counselors. We want the guidance of Jesus in our life. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for guidance. But he's also our mighty God. We're looking for strength. And strength isn't found in what we try to, I got this. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps, whatever that means. No, I'm your supernatural hero. I want to give you supernatural strength. But he's also our everlasting father. And I don't even know what your relationship may be with your natural father, good or pleasant or not so much, I don't know. But Jesus is saying, I'm coming to give you identity that is not found in who you know or what you do, but it's found in who I am. And then family, he wants to administer peace to us because he's the prince of peace. You know what peace does? It brings order to chaos. And that's what Jesus wants to administer in our life. And so maybe you feel like, man, this is like Christmas shopping. You got to go all these different places to get these things. But family, you don't. It's, it's, hold on, let me see. Hold on. 
what you really want for Christmas. It's found right here, family. It is found in the person of Jesus, a wonderful counselor, a, a, a mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace. It's found in the person of Jesus. And if we would choose to make him the center of our lives, that he would guide us, he would direct us, he would give us strength, he'd give us identity, and he'd give us the peace that we're looking for. So this gift is available to you in the person of Jesus. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that you loved us so much that you gave us the greatest gift ever. That changed everything. Because of him, we have guidance. Because of him, we have strength. Because of him, we have identity. Because of him, we have peace. And Lord, now we can realize that we can live on purpose because we have a purpose. So thank you, Lord, for Jesus. And there may be some of you here today who do not know you've never received the gift of Jesus. That you found yourself taking the will, but absent of the guidance of Jesus. That you found yourself living in what you thought was a strong life, but in reality it was weakness and, and, and you want the supernatural strength of Jesus. Or maybe you've placed your identity in everything else and, and you've seen that attacked and hit. And I don't know, maybe you realize this morning that identity is, is in Jesus. Or maybe there's been lots of chaos and, and, and turmoil in your life and you need peace administered to you. Listen, you've come to the, to the right place. It's, it's Jesus is found in him. And so if you've never received this gift, listen, a gift is a gift, meaning you don't earn it and you don't deserve it. None of us do. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it. But it is a gift. That's what grace is. And so this gift is available to you this morning. Now let me tell you, like some gifts, there's some things that you got to put together. There's some pieces and some parts and all that. So even when you receive this gift of salvation through Jesus, it doesn't mean that everything instantly goes away. That we work out our salvation that the Apostle Paul reminds us of. So there will be some, there's going to be some trials. There's going to be some temptation. There's going to be difficult moments still. In fact, it actually may seem like it got worse. But here's the difference now. <laughs> You're living with the, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace who's helping you to navigate life. And if you want to receive this free gift, it's free. If that's you this morning, I'm not going to make this moment long, but if that is you this morning, would you just simply raise your hand all across this place? I just want to lead you into a prayer. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but if you would just simply raise your hand where we can see it. We want to pray with you this morning. Amen. Amen.
see your hands. You may place your hands down. I'll ask all of us to repeat this, but especially those of you uh, who raise your hands this morning. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Give me a brand new start. Today I'm choosing to trust you and live for you as king of my life. I believe that you are God. I believe that you are Savior. And so today, I'm living every day for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can you celebrate those decisions this morning? Come on, can you make some noise and celebrate that this morning? That's what it's about. It's about Jesus. It's about him and